0: A sandwich called Boquit, a parade of produce vendors, and going door-to-door for stew. This week, we're in the Guadalupe Islands. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. If you're new to the show, here's the deal. Each week we visit a different place for the dishes and drinks that make that place unique. And this week, Michaela Malazzi, she's host of the TV show Bare Feet on PBS. She's my guest. Michaela talks about her new special that's about the Carnival on the Guadeloupe Islands. Now, you may remember Mikella; She's been on the show before. She talked about season three of her show, Barefeet Feet, on episode 80 of the podcast. And I've got a link to that program on the, in the show notes at radiomisfits.com. If you haven't heard it yet, go check that out. It was a great episode. This time, Michaela talks about the culture of the people of the Guadalupe Islands, the unique carnival celebration there. Plus, she tells me about learning the dances of Guadalupe. And, of course, we talk food. There's this parade that's dedicated to the fruit and vegetable vendors in Guadalupe going door-to-door for stew. And Michaela talks about a ginormous sandwich the Bokeet Sandwich. And if you haven't done so already, now's a good time to subscribe to Destination Eat Drink. Each week we're in a new spot exploring food and drink from that place. And if you subscribe, you won't miss a single bite. We're on all the podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. Destination Eat Drink. McKellen Malazzi. So great to have you back on the show. Welcome back to Destination Eat Drink.
1: Thanks for having me, Brent. Always great to chat about food with you. We love to eat, don't we? <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's,
0: it's the thing we all have in common as human beings. Yeah. You know, last time I had you on, it was a great episode. We talked about season three of your show, Barefeet, Feet, and we talked about wine in Georgia. We talked about pasta making grannies in Italy. And, of course, we mm-hmm. talked about dance. And you said uh, you gave a little tease about an upcoming special at that time about uh, Carnival in the Guadeloupe Islands. Well, yeah, you were actually you were the first
1: that I announced it on. So, I thank know. you, you know. <laughs> exciting, right? <laughs> Very
0: exciting. So, that two-part special is now airing on PBS. It is. And before we get into it, for our listeners who aren't aware, tell us where are the Guadeloupe Islands?
1: Yeah, the Guadeloupe Islands are the French Caribbean, and part of the the French Caribbean include Martinique, and the Guadalupe Islands consist of about six islands. They're gorgeous, they're two bigger islands, and they they like to say they make the shape of a butterfly, right, it is this beautiful um, lush green uh, set of islands that have a natural reserve, pristine beaches, all of these amazing things, which funny enough, we show in the episode very briefly, but I never got to the beach. <laughs> we never <laughs> had time to go to the beach when I was there because we were doing so many other amazing things, um, including celebrating Carnival. We were there for Carnival season pre-COVID. I feel super lucky that we were able to film there and the people were so welcoming. And it was just an amazing celebration all around. Uh, what's amazing about Carnival in Guadeloupe is it's unique to other Caribbean celebrations of Carnival, the live music. And they also do a celebration on Ash Wednesday, which usually after Fat Tuesday, right after Mardi Gras, you're done. But in the Guadalupe Islands, there's still one more celebration to be had, which is is just beautiful.
0: So we'll talk about that in the, uh, you know, we'll talk about the Carnival in uh, the Guadalupe Islands. But I wanted to ask you, well, first of all, one thing that I found interesting, because I don't know a lot about the Guadalupe Islands I don't know a lot about Guadalupe in general. I just, I started reading about it when I knew I was going to talk to you, Michaela. And one thing I, I learned very quickly is the Guadalupe Islands are actually a part of France. I mean it's officially they are part of Fran- yeah. a region. They're, they are they're in the EU. they are
1: a region of France just like Provence, just like Lyon. It's amazing. It's it's this part. Well, let's, you know, let's go back further is, you know, the the Guadeloupe Islands and like most of the Caribbean were part of the transatlantic slave trade. Right. So it has a very dark history, deep history, and what's beautiful about the Guadeloupe Islands and what I'm very proud of that we feature in in these episodes is the preservation of the Guadalupin culture, the Guadalupin food, the Guadalupin Creole language, the, the rhythms that came from Mother Africa. It is, we meet with these um, cultural activist groups that have fought tooth and nail to keep their culture alive. But yes, it is part of France. They, they use the Euros there, they speak French there, they also speak Creole, but you you go there and most of the tourists there are not American, they are French. Mm. Um, so if you don't speak French, it may be a little more difficult for you to visit. However, a lot of people do speak English. Um, but it's, it's like, you're going to Europe. You're literally in a region of Europe, um, which is pretty incredible. And, and it's, it's just, I, I love the Caribbean. I have to say the Caribbean is probably my favorite region of the world to dance and to visit and make Hmm, music in because it is so rich in history, it is such a, a, a mixture of cultures that have come together, granted forcefully, but it is this beautiful mixture of, of cultures. Um, and a lot of people, especially Americans, go there and they sit on the stay on the resort the whole time and they right. never step out into the streets of the islands where they go and meet with the people of the islands where they go. And that's where the real richness and culture and value of visiting those places lives. Um, like I said, I, I rarely go to the beach. Whenever I go to the Caribbean, I, I'm always like going to take dance classes or going to celebrate somewhere in the streets pre-COVID, and hopefully after we get through this. Um, but it is such so, so rich in culture, and the Guadeloupe Islands are are like a hidden gem. I think that people don't really like you said you didn't really know where they were. I think it gets um, confused a lot with Guadeloupe in Mexico. Right? Um, you know, there's it, people aren't really sure what Guadeloupe Islands is. It is look it up watch our episodes. You're going to fall in love <laughs> as soon as you see it. And um, I I just love it. And I'm not saying that because I film there. I mean, I, it really is a special place. It really is such a special place.
0: I think you bring up a really fascinating point, Michaela, because, you know, the French were the colonial power. Um, the, I think the British were there for a while. The Spanish were there for a while. But the, the major colonial power was the French. And like almost all colonial powers, they came in there and they tried... To for decades, for centuries, to suppress the local yeah. culture, and now yeah. in the last couple of decades, there has been this rejuvenation, this rebirth of Guadeloupe pride, if you will.
1: Yes, yes, there has. It, and these are the stories that I was told from Guadeloupins, because you have the French Caribbean includes Martinique and the Guadeloupe islands. And um, the stories they were telling me was, you know, during the transatlantic st- slave trade, apparently. The most rebellious slaves, enslaved people, were put on the Guadeloupe Islands, mm. right? The more uh, the well-behaved, quote-unquote, well-behaved slaves were kept in Martinique. So in Guadeloupe, they are su- super proud of like we don't take <laughs> any crap from anyone. We fight for our, you know, right. there were incredible slave rebellions and revolutions happening in the Guadeloupe Islands, rightfully so, you know, and and that is a deep part of. The identity of Guadeloupe. Um, if you talk to a Guadeloupean and they talk about Martinique, there is still that—not um, rivalry, but they—they—they they, they are. There's a, an incredible sense of pride, f- uh, and again, rightfully so for um, maintaining their culture. And look, Martinique is gorgeous as well, but it is just a, a different mindset. There's also they recently built this huge uh, slave museum on the island, and it's gorgeous. We were—it it was actually being built when we first filmed. Um, and when we went back to film some pickup shots a, a couple years later, uh, just recently, it's just gorgeous. It's huge. Um, and it is a, a, a stopping point that I wish we would have been able to include in the episode, but we, it, it wasn't even open when we were first filming. So mm, right. it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing.
0: So let's talk a little bit about uh, Carnival and your experience, because I'll tell you, Michaela, I've been going down the rabbit hole the last couple of days, since I knew I was going to talk to you, watching <laughs> videos of Carnival, specifically in Guadalupe. Yeah. And man, it looks like a party. I mean, you've got the dancers, you've got the great music, you've got the yeah. bands. I, I saw one video, there was a, a, a band behind a truck and the pickup part of the truck was stacked with amplifiers so high it would make led zeppelin jealous i mean just... <laughs> well that's yeah i mean that it's
1: good that you bring that up because that's what people think of carnival that's like trinidad and tobago u.s virgin islands okay. barbados you're listening to soca music and you have recorded music with these huge huge stacks on trucks and people are just walking and winding up the road that's not carnival. that's not carnival in Guadeloupe. Okay. um no, but this is great that you bring it up because it, that's why it's different in Carnival. Carnival, they're using live instruments and live musicians. So, And you have two different styles. So you have the Carnival bands, which have these... They use like these barrels, these huge barrels, and they're and they are hitting the drums. So you have these bass drums made of barrels that they're carrying on their back and playing through the streets. That's one band, the Carnival bands. Then you have um, the Moss bands. Now, the Moss bands are... These bands that their rhythms are based on guoka, which is um, uh, rhythms that came directly from West Africa. Um, and they are they're called group apo, which means group apo means of skin so the drums are made of skin head uh excuse me like a goat skin headed drums so they're natural uh materials, and that's where you get these massive bands just playing drums they're playing the conch shell right they're they're blowing the horn of the conch shell they're shaking the shashas, which you'll see I play one of them it's a, a calabash fruit that's hollowed out and the seeds are put back in and so you have these marchers like at some point thousands of people marching led by these mass bands and they're very much those are your activist groups right those are the people who really were the forefront i think in the 90s where they fought hard to because it was illegal for them to to make this music think about that it was illegal for them to make this music and celebrate and they fought so hard to say look we this is our voice we are the voice of the people this is the rhythm of the people our languages of the people and now they teach Creole in school, these mm. rhythms, there are moss bands in every neighborhood. So it's almost like an association. Um, and each neighborhood has their own representation of moss bands. And it's incredible to see and powerful to see um, people who are, are making music in the street, but as part of their identity. Right, um, and that's why Carnival in the Guadalupe Islands is different. Let's say than if you go to U.S. Virgin Islands, or which again is amazing. I've done I've done Carnival in, in Saint Thomas, and I would it was so much fun, so much fun, but so different, so incredibly different. And I think that's another thing people need to realize too: the Carnival isn't the same everywhere you go. Um, what I love is Carnival always falls around my birthday, <laughs> so I like to say that Carnival is like. The world celebrating my birthday. <laughs> I know that's very self centered. It's, but world it's my goal. Day. <laughs> yeah, it's me Day. But it's my goal to like, I, I, I want like to be able to celebrate every single carnival because then I get to celebrate my birthday in a different way. So I've done, uh, you know, I, on my list, of course, is um, celebrating carnival in Brazil. Um, that's been on the list forever. We've been trying to do that. Um, for so long, but I've done uh carnival in the U S Virgin Islands. I've done ball season in Vienna where I'm waltzing in Vienna. That's during carnival season. Right, I w- right. did a trip with my mom when she turned 50, we were able to go to, to carnival in Venice. Um, obviously carnival in the Guadeloupe islands I've done. It's, it's just, uh, Mardi Gras would be so much fun in, in New Orleans. Every single part of the world has their own version of the celebration. And it's not the same. It's never the same. It has the same sort of intention of party your butt off because then c- come Ash Wednesday, like Fat Tuesday, at the end, you it's the Lenten season, so you need to fast. You know that's that's the whole Christian belief behind it, right? It's the fasting season. Um, it's the dry season. So there's there's purpose behind it, but it's like. Part of your butt off. <laughs> because for the next, you know, what is it, six, uh, eight weeks, like you can't, right? Yeah. So until Easter. It's six weeks um, of
0: Saturday night, because Sunday is coming, you know, Sunday morning is right, coming. Right, right,
1: <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, exactly.
0: So tell me, Michela, about some of the dances that you did and some of the dances you learned at Carnival in Guadalupe.
1: Yeah, the, one of them was it's it's an intangible heritage of Guadalupe. It's called guoca. Guoca is um, a collection of seven rhythms. So you have guoca drumming and and guoca dancing. And to me, it reminded me a lot of Puerto Rican bomba. For anybody on here who who's listening, who's who knows of Puerto Rican bomba, it's the same idea. Again, Caribbean brought over from Africa. The enslaved people used it to communicate with each other. But in, in Guoka specifically, there are seven rhythms that convey seven different emotions, whether that's sadness, um, hard, hard work, um, joy, uh, love. All of these, these rhythms convey a different emotion, and each rhythm is like a voice. And then the dancers sort of lead the conversation between the drummer and the dancer, so if a dancer is making a gesture, the drummer reacts to that gesture versus vice versa, right? So you have other drummers that are keeping the rhythm, but the main drummer will, will accentuate the movements of the dancer, so they're having a conversation. And it, it that in itself was just so beautiful because all of the rhythms from that spawn from that. So the moss bands, with the with the goatskin drum heads, the um, carnival bands, they use the tumblak rhythm, which is the joyous rhythm. A lot of their dances in the carnival bands are using tumblak dance moves, um, which is the joyous rhythm from Guoka. So there's, Guoka is like the root of um, music and dance and even language and, and just the rhythms that you hear throughout the island. So it was a, a real honor. I went to a school called Akademiduka, which is a school that anybody can go to. So if you're uh, visiting the island, you can go take a class. It's a beautiful dance school, and they have guoka drum lessons and guoka dance lessons.
0: We talked about this a little the last time you were on, all those months ago. And (laughs) one thing that amazes me about your show, Mikel, is how quickly you are able to pick up these dance moves, Um, specifically (laughs) to the Guadalupe uh, dance moves. How difficult was it? You know, were you able to pick it up quickly? And... um, and you're always so forthcoming any embarrassing moments
1: <laughs> yeah no it, it goka it, it came to me it felt it felt very familiar i think because um like i said i've done uh, bomba the world i felt the more dances i get to do around the world the more familiar things start to feel because i'm i'm sort of piecing together oh this feels like this rhythm and this feels like this move so um, I also have to say, it's a testament to the people who bring me into their culture, right? right? I get to pick up the moves easily because I feel comfortable and they are so open to me. So I just felt so warm and welcome there by the teachers and by everybody who was there. Um, and so it, I just had so much fun where I felt free. I felt, it, it's a very improvisational dance. So I wasn't, I was taking the class and it was wonderful. And then in the end, you'll see we're in a circle and everyone has their time to to converse, quote unquote, with the with the main drummer. I felt I felt comfortable. I wasn't doing everything exactly guoka movements, but I was having that conversation with the drummer. And he was having that conversation back with me, and I felt very open to it. So um again, I'm not I, I wasn't becoming a professional guoka dancer by any means, but I felt very Um, safe in the sense of as a dancer like I can express myself and not be judged and I can express myself and be in a very um, warm and welcoming environment that allows me to try this I'm just trying it so yeah it was wonderful I didn't see any missteps because it was so comforting it was so there was like a wonderful beautiful group of people who were there to keep you know keep us
0: all together Let's talk food. <laughs> My <Yeah>. favorite topic. <laughs> My all time favorite topic. Um, yeah. you, you know, Guadalupe is famous for their street food sandwich, the Boquit. Tell me a little uh-huh. bit about uh, your experience with the Boquit.
1: Oh, Boquit was awesome. So we were filming and we were, we were getting hungry. And in between, you know, we had started filming at the, at one of the parades. There's during carnival in Guadalupe, there's like parade after parade after parade. It's amazing. Every procession, like down the street. And then there's another procession that night. Um, But our guide, his name is Rudy. Rudy. He is the best. I love him so much. Rudy, we love you. He is this I think he's almost seven feet tall and I'm pretty short too. So the two of us together, we just look really funny together, but he's also a DJ. So every time he's driving us around, he's playing amazing music, Afro beats and all this wonderful stuff. And, um, he's like, "Mikela, I'm going to take you to the best book on the island. And I was like, Oh, it's just like a sandwich, you know? And we get there and it's this uh, food truck right by the water. And it's basically a Johnny cake cut in half, stuffed with, I had the one with codfish. I love codfish. And he had the one with chicken and then they put some like vegetables and it is heaven. It is, it's fried dough with fried fish. You know, like it doesn't get better than that. And it's huge. So you don't need to eat anything for the rest of the day. You eat that and you're good. I mean, it was, I'm glad I ate it after I danced because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was no way I would have been able to eat it before I danced and then I didn't we didn't have, even have to have dinner that night. It was just so delicious. Um and it was it was it it's it's cheap. It was like I don't know 2 3 euros, something like that. It was it's very cheap. And there's different versions I found out there're different versions of boukhet um later in the trip because we were only there for maybe 4 days. We I I was like, "Can we have boukhet again one more time before we leave?" And so we went to another place that um, was not a food truck. It was like a, a, a little hole-in-the-wall spot, and it was made completely differently. It was the bouquet we had from the food truck was m- fresher cod. It was like um, not boiled, but maybe grilled and broken up and and sort of marinated. And then the one that we had in the shop was fried on a griddle. Um, so it was a little almost like a greasy spoon version of um, <laughs> okay. the bouquet. But it, it's like every person has their version of boquit and, and it's just delicious. And it's not, I mean, you can't eat boquit every day. You're just not right. going to be able to fit There's into no your way. clothes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the, the fact of it. You cannot eat boquit every day, <laughs> even though you want to.
0: When I was in Puerto Rico and visiting the Caribbean side of Central America, some of my fondest mm-hmm. memories are the, the fresh fruit you know it's like mm-hmm. breakfast lunch and dinner you can get the most delicious fresh fruit you've ever had in your life yeah. um what was the fresh fruit like when when you were there
1: oh incredible we are, we kick off the first episode of this two part special um at the le marchand de bastère that's the the merchants of bastère's um fruit and vegetable market they have a whole parade just for the women vendors uh it's this legendary market it's the largest fruit and vegetable market in on the island and it's in the capital city of basta and um, they start with a huge mass but the women are dressed in these beautiful madras prints and they have fruit and vegetable hats so you know cool. who they are and then we yeah and we march to the actual market and then they're selling you know the spices all of these Guadeloupean spices I'm eat, tasting fresh fruit as we're there. Rudy, my guide, he's like buying fruit. We're getting banana. We're getting pineapple. We're getting all this stuff right from the vendors. We're dancing together. I mean, that's just how um, these markets work. It's incredible. And just walking into the market, you smell the fruit, right? It's That's how fresh you know it is, is, mm. is when um, you can smell it. You know, when you walk into a store, most of the times here in the United States, you can't smell what the vegetable smell like or the fruit smell right, like right. you walk into that market and there's this overwhelming smell aroma of like ambrosia right it's just this sweet sweet beautiful smell so it's fresh you you know you buy that fruit you have to eat it that day it's just gorgeous gorgeous gorgeous
0: what I love about your story, Michaela, is that they have a parade for the fruit vendors. I mean, that just shows the level of respect yep. that they have for these folks who are doing this important work and how much yes. they how, how much they hold in reverence, you know, the fruit itself, you know, how yeah. important it yeah. is to the culture.
1: Also the market itself, you know, what what you have to remember too is the market is the meeting place. Right. So while we were there and I, I was told this uh, aside from this big procession, like this is what the market looks like every day. Oh, wow. So you have the market that busy, but then you have these people, these master drummers. They call them, it's the ka. That's the name of the, of the drum. The master kas come out and start playing guoka and the dancers come out and start dancing guoka, but that happens every day. So you're just <laughs> sitting there and like you're seeing, you're, you're basically seeing like, a. Uh, an incredible show and performance for free, and people just jump in and start playing and dancing. And later, I learned that's how other master drummers learn to become a drummer: is they go into the streets and they just jump in with these other teachers in the streets and learn. Like it's just part of everyday life. It's it's quite incredible. And yes, the amount of respect that they have for the women, because it's it's really the women vendors that that was their traditional role was was to be um, the right, street right. vendors and the and the fruit and vegetable vendors. But having that sort of sense of community around the market is really powerful.
0: I think of an American farmer's market and you go there and if it's a nice one, maybe there's some hipster with a guitar playing Mumford and (laughs) Sun songs. And then I think of what you're describing and I'm like, holy cow, that sounds freaking amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just full of life. It's full of life. It really is. And music. That's what I say too. It really is true. Like everywhere you go on the island, you hear music. There's music being, it reminds me, I've never been to Cuba. That's on my wish list too. But every time I hear about people who've been to Cuba, they're like, there's just music. You hear music all the time. People are just playing music. And that's true. I mean, I'm sure because we were there during Carnival, it was like to the nth degree, you know, exponentially more music but it you just constantly hearing drums playing and people singing and and just like it's it's wonderful. It really is wonderful.
0: Any other dishes that you really were memorable or that you enjoyed in Guadalupe?
1: Oh yeah. So in the second episode we kick off it's the second episode is is mainly just carnival day, right? Fat Tuesday. And we kick off the morning. It's called the pajama parade. It's, it's like a Jouvet, you know, where they open up the day in most carnival celebrations where they start really, really early in the morning. So we met with one of uh, the bands, Mascaclay, and we're in this little neighborhood. And what basically what Jouvet is supposed to do is to wake up the people of the neighborhood with music, with sound, with joy, singing. Um, and we're going through these little streets, like tiny little streets and apparently the neighbors had been cooking all night. So (laughs) we get, it's like seven in the morning and we get to these houses. Everyone has a little cup strapped to their neck or, (laughs) you know, strapped to their belt. So either they're having coffee or juice or something else, maybe a libation (laughs) early in the morning. Um, But this one house that we went to, the woman, the family, and this isn't like 20 people. This is like 100, 150 people in this procession going from door to door, and the neighbors are so wonderful. They're welcoming us and singing with us, and then they have all this food, and I had this amazing stew. I can't think of the name right now, but we talk about it in the episode where it's it's everything in one pot. It's like a, a big mishmash of stuff, and in it were like pig's feet and tripe and plantains. and bo- It was unbelievable. It was so delicious, Um, But this family cooked it over in the middle of the night, knowing that hundreds of people are going to (laughs) come through their door, you know, like basically in their garage. We better be ready. Yeah. Yeah. And it was door to door and very slowly. It wasn't like we took our time. It took a a couple hours for us to get through like a couple blocks, you know, but it was so fun. And that meal, it was just great to see that sense of community again. Right. It wasn't just like standing outside your door and waving a flag. It was, come on in. We are feeding you because we are grateful for the music that you're bringing to us. Right. That's that gesture.
0: You know, Michaela, this (laughs) is why I love your show. Oh, thank you. It brings, you know, and I'm not exaggerating here. It just brings joy. And wow. After the last year that we've had Yep. I don't know if we need anything more than a few episodes of uh, Bare Feet with Michaela Um Thank you. Your show is airing, or your special on Guadalupe is airing right now on PBS. Two parts, uh, people, check your local listings because it's different wherever you are in the country. Michaela, I did want to ask you, you know, this was originally, if I'm not mistaken, this was originally, this program was going to be part of season four of Bare Feet. Of course, we're in, um, you know, COVID world now, but someday Mm -hmm. it will end. And I'm just wondering what your plans are for uh, season four of Bare Feet.
1: Yeah, we look, we are I am excited to get up and running again, but not until it's safe enough to do so. Mm -hmm. So um, I know other amazing, you know, my friends who are PBS hosts and producers are actually filming during COVID very safely, um, but our show is different. We have to dance with people. We have to show right, big right. celebrations and right. holidays and festivals that are happening at destinations that have been canceled. This year's what I'm most proud of, especially the this two-part special, is um, we're, and, and this wasn't intentional. It was just that we went to Guadalupe Islands and wanted to feature this place uh, for its celebration. But with the whole Black Lives Matter movement really building and the murder of George Floyd, we really are highlighting Black voices, Black joy, Black culture, Mm -hmm, and it mm -hmm. just happened to, to kind of coincide with all of the things that are happening. So we really feel like right now is a really important time for these two episodes especially. But... We're just taking it day by day, you know, um, because we don't know when that's going to happen that we can film again. And this year, Carnival has been canceled worldwide. Right. There are no Carnival celebrations. So I feel very lucky that we can bring a little bit of Carnival to life to viewers so that they can, um, you know, get a taste of it. And hopefully when we can travel again, when these celebrations do open up again, we can celebrate together. We can dance together. And until it's safe enough you know, we're just going to keep doing our bare feet lives. We've been doing weekly barefoot lives because during the pandemic and still today, I realized how can we keep this mission alive of, of connecting with the world through dance and music. And I thought we have this technology of social media. We have Facebook live, we have YouTube live, we have Instagram live. So every single week, every Tuesday uh, on our social media channels, join us at 1 p.m. Eastern 10 a.m. Pacific where I connect with a dancer or a traveler from around the world and we le- we learn their dance um, and we've been doing this since April of 2020 uh, every single week so we've done uh, carnival in Rio uh, not carnival excuse me we've done Samba in Rio with a, a dancer friend of mine in Rio we've done um, dancing in Killarney Ireland um, so we're we're traveling the world through dance when we cannot travel so until we can, This is our, our best, um, sort of, uh, substitute, right? At least we're still staying connected with our, with dancers. I'm trying to stay connected with our viewers because I, I know for me, I need to stay connected with the world or else I'm going to go crazy, right? And I've seen that our, our lives have really helped people feel like they're not isolated and they're getting up and moving a little bit because they learn a little bit of the dance. And, we need that joy, right? We just need to feel like, okay, we're going to get through this. This isn't going to be forever. But until then, let's at least smile a little bit because there's there aren't that many reasons to smile right now. <laughs> so I'm trying to bring that to everybody. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to travel again. I know we all can't wait to travel again. I also can't wait to just go and and see my family and not have to worry about wearing masks and and, and and making sure that my nonna Pina, you know, she's super mm. high risk. I don't, I don't want to get her sick. So I just can't wait for that too. So we'll get through it. We'll get through it. But until then we have, we have other ways to celebrate. We have other ways to
0: celebrate. Well, Michaela, it's just been great having you on the show. I want to thank you for being a shot of joy in this wow, world.
1: Thank you. And thank you.
0: I'm just looking forward to seeing more of your dancing adventures on uh, bare feet.
1: Thank you, Brent. Thank you always for having me on. and, and, Look, whenever we keep eating more, I'm going to call you first and we're going <laughs> to we're going to maybe we'll we'll do something together once we can travel again. Yes. Let's do
0: it. Okay. There you go. We can't go to Carnival this year, but Enjoying it virtually with Michaela and her show Barefeet is just as good. And there's a link to her show and Barefeet Live in the show notes at radiomisfits.com. And be sure to check out her special on the Guadalupe Islands. It's airing now on PBS. You'll need to check your local listings. That's going to do it for this week. Next week, we're in the Sonoma Valley for some of the world's finest wine. Until then, DestinationEatDrink.com is open for business. I post new stuff on the blog all the time. And this week, there's a story about all the movies that will make you want to visit France. That's at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. I I actually wrote this blog post before I talked to McKella and before I knew that the Guadeloupe Islands were an official territory of France. So I didn't include any Guadeloupe Islands on that blog post. Maybe that's a blog post for another time. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and Bokeet Eating Champ Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. Wear your effing mask, and I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink. A presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast
1: Network.